Hey, everyone. Well, hi, everyone here at the Waypoint. Thanks for being here. And uh, hi to everyone at uh, our watch parties. It's really good to be with you. My name is Toby. I'm going to be uh, preaching uh, this morning. I have to say, um, nothing cheers me up like a good fail video. Now, I don't know if you, if for you, if Cat's videos does it, but you know, there's like, there's literally channels of, of people failing at something. And whether it's a, a toddler tormenting their, their parents, or more usually for me, it's like mountain bikers who, who like take large jumps and, and, and don't often make it. Like there's just something about those. And um, like you might question my, my psyche. I'm, I'm always wondering, why are people sending in videos of their own failures? I don't know, but it happens all the time. Uh, as we just saw uh, summarized, the, these books that we have called First and Second Kings is one giant story of failure. It is failure after failure after failure. And there are some heights. There are like some, some major highs that we're going we're gonna to look at. But it's almost like those highs only serve to bring the low that much lower. You know, like, like taking a jump that you shouldn't take and, and, you, and, and you crash land. And, it, and it's that, that much more impactful. We see that, for example, in Solomon. The first section of First Kings, about 10 chapters, is all about Solomon, uh, the successor to David, who's this ideal king who's given his whole heart. And it is so good. I mean, he, he's doing so, so well. If you have your Bibles, uh, we're going to be flipping through a few things. There's a few Bibles up here. If you don't have a, f- a physical one and, and you do want to, to do that. But I, 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 we, we're going to read some of these sections because it, it's so uh, it, just important to get um, where we are. So turn to First Kings uh, chapter 8. Uh, in chapter 8, uh, you know, what David wanted to do, if you recall, uh, as, as Justin uh, you know, led us through last week, David was like, I'm going to build you a house, Lord. And God's like, no, no, no. I'm going to build you a house. Your, your line, your kingdom will go on forever. I'm going to build you a house. And so Solomon stands as like the first in line of this promise, this forever promise. And, and Solomon also is one who actually completes uh, the building of the house. And then uh, in chapter 8, uh, Solomon is praying. And just listen to this prayer. We're looking at verse uh, 20. Oh, sorry. Verse, I'm going to go to 8, verses uh, 54. This is Solomon's benediction. So he's done a lot of praying. He, he's, 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 all, he's all in. He's devoted uh, his life to God. And, and God's, if you recall, God's given him wisdom. And people are starting to come all over. His fame is growing all over the world. And Solomon says this in Psalm 54. Now, as Solomon finished offering all this prayer and plea to the Lord, he arose from before the altar of the Lord, where he had knelt with his hands outstretched towards heaven. And he stood and he blessed all the assembly of Israel with a loud voice saying, Blessed be the Lord who has given rest to his uh, people Israel, according to all that he promised, not one Word has failed of all his good promise, which he has spoken by Moses, his servant. The Lord, our God, be with us as he has, was with, with our fathers. 
uh, may he not leave us or forsake us that he may incline that we that he may incline our hearts to him to walk in all his ways and to keep his commandments his statutes his rules which he has commanded our fathers let those words of mine which i have pleaded before the lord be near to the lord our god day and night and may he maintain the cause of his servant and the cause of his people israel as each day requires every day that all the peoples of the earth may know that the Lord is God. There is no other. Verse 61, let your heart therefore be wholly true to the Lord our God, walking in his statutes and keeping his commandments at this day. That is, that is a good prayer. That is a solid, solid prayer. And, and as we look at Solomon, it looks like he might be like the triple crown winner. Like he... Like there, there's these three great promises that we've been, we've seen in the in this uh, in the Old Testament. The first one is right in Genesis chapter three, where uh, you know there's Adam and Eve, and 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 there's that the incident with the serpent, and God promises there's going to be an offspring from the woman who's going to crush the serpent's head. And the question is, who is the serpent crusher? That, that, that's a question we should be asking as we read. And we're thinking, is it Solomon? Could could it be Solomon? And of course, there's this promise that we've mentioned to, to David. There's going to be a king, a forever king on your throne. Is it Solomon? Because he's, he's doing some awesome, awesome things. Then there's another one. If you remember the, the promise to Abraham, that you will be a blessing to the nations, right? This, this, this promise to his family. Abraham, who had like no kids, you're going you're to have like sand in the sea, Sand on the seashore? Yeah. Stars in the sky. Like, that's your family. That's going to be a blessing to the nations. And, and just look at, turn over to chapter 10, uh, verse 6 to 9. Solomon's, um, his, his fame is going on. This queen, queen of Sheba, uh, I think from Arabia, that kind of area, comes to visit Solomon. This is what she says, verse 6 to 9. And she said to the king, the report was true that I heard in my own land of your words and of your wisdom. But I did not believe the reports until I came and my own eyes had seen it. And behold, the half was not told to me. Your wisdom and prosperity surpasses the report I heard. Happy are your men. Happy are your servants who continually stand before you and hear your wisdom. Blessed be the Lord, Yahweh, your God, who has delighted in you and has set you on the throne of Israel because the Lord loved Israel forever. He has made you king that you may execute justice and righteousness. Then she blessed him and gave him. And as look at uh, uh, verse 23, verse 10, chapter 10, uh, verse 23. Thus, King Solomon excelled uh, all the kings of the earth in riches and wisdom. And the whole earth sought the presence of Solomon to hear his wisdom, which God had put into his mind. Man, that's Solomon. He, the, the, the world is streaming to him. And then this, this is my favorite, maybe one of my favorite lines from this book. Look at chapter 10, verse 27. This is about Jerusalem as he's, he's building up the city, the temple, the house. It says this, And the king made silver as common in Jerusalem as stone. And he made cedar as plentiful as a sycamore of the, I can't say that word, <laughs> stone 
as common silver as common as stone last year we did like a bit of our driveway like a little bit of our driveway and this because we could afford this many stones i could not afford that in silver he made <laughs> silver so common that he you could just build you want to build a driveway with it sure that's that's that's, that's how amazingly prosperous and rich he became that is Solomon. But as we heard in the videos, soon after, his heart would be taken away, given to his many wives, uh, worshiping other gods. And, 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 and we're like, what, what is happening? What, what's happening here? And, and, he, and he falls and he fails. And actually, right after him, as the kingdom is already split. His, his son takes over. He wants to be even more harsh. And there's this fracture and split in the kingdom. And already we are wondering, where is the promise? Where is the forever king? What is happening? The failure begins. Even in the prophet Elijah, we see failure. Uh, maybe you've read some of these stories for where uh, he's, he's battling this king Ahab speaking truth that incident with um the uh the the other prophets you know there's this where he's like hey you call down fire i'll call down fire let's see what happens let's uh turn to um first kings chapter 18 uh if if you didn't know um the bible actually has has trash talk in it it's it's really good elijah is a really good trash talker so in verse eight, uh, chapter 18, in 1 Kings, you know, these prophets of Baal have been like cutting themselves. They're like dancing. They're like, oh, yeah, let's, they're trying to do this. And then at noon, verse 27, he says this, Elijah mocked them saying, cry aloud for he is a God. Either he is musing or he is relieving himself. Maybe it's number one, number two, I don't know. Or is he on a journey? Or perhaps he's asleep. And must be awakened. He's like, where is your God? Where is he? And then look at verse uh, 36 to 38 of chapter 18. Um, this is his prayer. And at the time of offering of the ob oblation, Elijah and the prophet came near and said, so this is after he pours like a whole bunch of water, 12 jars of water on top of the, the sacrifices. O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and I have done all these things at your word. Answer me, O Lord, answer me, that this, uh, this people may know that you, O Lord, are God, that you have turned their hearts back. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. And all the people saw it. They fell on their faces the Lord, he is God. The Lord, Yahweh, he is God. Wow, that, I mean, that is, that is a moment to behold and to witness. Uh, that, that is a prayer life to go after. And yet, Elijah, even Elijah, after <clears throat> those incidents, uh, he, Jezebel, Ahab's wife, puts like a bounty on his head. And he and 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 Elijah runs. He runs for his life. It could have been like up to like the distance traveled, like something like two hundred kilometers or thereabout. He he's gone. He is out of town. And 
And there's this point where even um, Elijah, he's, uh, where is, sorry, I'm, I'm, I need to find that part. Because there's a, he, 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 he hides out in a cave. And you know what he says? He says, I, I, I just take, just take my life. He's, he's done. He's like, please just end my life. I'm finished. After those amazing prayers, after witnessing and being front row to the miracle of God, Elijah says, I'm finished. And king after king, as we heard, uh, disappoint. They don't follow God. They don't do um, what uh, they are uh, required of. But finally, actually, towards the end, we have Josiah. And actually, Josiah, who's at the very, very end of Kings, his, his name was actually predicted, even if we read 1 Kings chapter 13. That name was already there. It's like, there's going to be this Josiah who's going to bring back the law. He's going to bring reform. And, and in many ways, he does. He finds the book of the law, which many... Uh, commentators and theologians believe this is this was Deuteronomy that he recovered and so much of Deuteronomy is reflected in King then he and he institutes Passover again he reminds them remember who they are they this is this is that moment when they were taken out of Egypt and they had to slay the lamb and they were finally rescued this is like the 10th plague and they had forgotten about it what we we recognize that Jews today still continue to do. there's a time where they're like oh I don't know what happened what happened in Egypt I don't know. He institutes again. And yet even Josiah, he, he dies. And, 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 and with uh, maybe some irony, he is killed by Pharaoh Nico, or the king, his name is Nico. And in this kind of like ironic blow, he, he dies. And it says specifically that they had to actually begin to pay tribute and taxes to Egypt. They had to send silver and gold to Egypt, the place where so many years ago they left and they were freed. You know, is, is kind of part of that final blow. And the silver that was so abundant that was laid as stone is now being sent out. And as we kind of pull out, and zoom, zoom out and take a, even a wider view. These, these books, which again cover about 400 years, this first section was all about like the building of Jerusalem. At the very end, um, in chapter <clears throat> 25, it's, it's, just, it's just in ruins. It's, it's like, it, it's, it says very specifically, as Babylon, this, this new kingdom comes through, they are burning things to the ground. That is that that that's the scope of where Kings uh, brings us, and it and it leaves us like wow, this is this is really low. Like this is really, really low. It was really high. We we really felt like we were there, and God's promises are being fulfilled, and then we are left uh, in the dust, in the in the in the rubble. And many uh, commentators think this. These, this, this Kings as, as a whole was written just around that time in the 500s BC. It was written to a people who were asking, how did we get here? How did we get here? How did we get here where we are again marching out of 
uh, Israel as exiles again, as slaves, and, and, and the best, the brightest sent away. The, the temple that was so glorious with these massive bronze pillars stripped and taken away. How did we get here? And here's this question. Did God fail? We started asking this question or you know, talking about failure. The question is, did God fail? And the Kings is written as, as a prophetic book. Often we think of prophets of um, maybe like Jeremiah and Isaiah, who re- re- they just wrote these gigantic long books and they predict things in the future. These prophetic uh, these these books also uh, considered uh, prophetic because in the Hebrew uh, scriptures, they are actually counted in a group of prophetic books, the, the former prophets. And these were written back to say, no, God did not fail. God did not fail. In fact, our failures cannot undo the faithfulness of God. Our failures, whether they are personal, whether they are as a community, whether as a nation, whatever measure of failure we can do, however glorious the fall is, it can never undo or outdo the faithfulness of God. Look at the very last, uh, very, very last page of Second Kings. Um, this is highlighted in the video, but let's read uh, 2 Kings, this is chapter 25, uh, verse 27. It says this, And in the 37th year of the exile of Jehoiakim, Jehoiakim, king of Judah, in the 12th month, on the 27th day of the month, evil Merodach, king of Babylon, in the year that he began to reign, graciously freed Jehoiakim, king of Judah, from prison. So for a good amount of time, this king was in prison. And he spoke kindly to him. And he gave him a seat above the seats of the kings who were with him in Babylon. So Jehoiakim put off his prison garments. And every day of his life, he dined regularly at the king's table. And for his allowance, a regular allowance was given him by the king according to his daily needs as long as he lived. Has God failed? No, he hasn't. First of all, he did what he was always going to do. If you recall the end of Deuteronomy, there's this huge list of blessing and curses. And the curses were, if you don't follow me, your city will be burned. If you don't follow me, you will be, you'll be led away to another nation. If you don't follow and walk in my ways, you'll be scattered across the earth. And God was faithful to that. He was faithful to do what he said he was going to do. But even so, he was faithful or, and is faithful to the promise he made to David. This picture of this king who takes off his prison clothes and he, he gets to sit at this table again. And, and we're wondering with the story, you know, what about, what about the snake crusher? What about the nations that are to be blessed by Israel? What about the forever king to sit in David's throne? Where is that going? And we are left with this tension. Okay, there's just just a thread. You know, we've been talking about over these last few weeks, like this through line that goes through the story. The through line is just like like a thread you cannot see. It's just just like it's minuscule. It's tiny, but it's there because God is still 
faithful. And, you know, sometimes our, our, our preaching team, you know, we gathered and we were just, just helping each other out, talking about this. A lot of our job, as we look at one book, one week, one story, is to point forward to Jesus. Because, because we, 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 know, we know kind of the, the next part of the story, right? And, and, and Easter is coming, guys, and, 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 and we're going to talk about Jesus, the king who wore the, a crown of thorns, who came like no one could imagine, who the, the, above the, the cross was a sign in three different languages, king of the Jews. That's, that's who we're going to get to. But that's 600 years from this point here. And, and in the moment, I think we need to sit in the tension and, and the rubble and, and the ash heap and, and, and feel the challenge of hoping when there feels like there is no reason for hope. Unfortunately, we have these um, contemporary modern images from Ukraine of like what looked like a thriving city in rubble. And, and maybe you've seen the people who've remained who uh, saw a woman who's sweeping and singing and crying. And I don't know how that's good. I have no idea how you turn rubble and concrete into life again. I have no idea. But, but God can do it. And, and, and we need to sit in the tension that there is still hope because God is faithful beyond the rubble that we make of our own lives. Some of us are sitting in the rubble now. We feel the heat and the burning. Some of us, maybe it's further in our, in our past where we, were, we did find ourselves poor and brokenhearted and, and captive. Some of us are in and now. Some of us are going to face it. And in that moment, it will be difficult, but so important for us to remember that whether it is our failure or the failure of our friends or family or whatever situation it is, God is still faithful. God is still at work. We, uh, at the waypoint, we sang, you know, the song, Goodness of God, and we paused to, to look. Yes, sometimes the moment, but actually the whole scope of our lives. Maybe the, the point before we even could recognize or name God, and God is still faithful. God is still good. And I, and I want us to uh, finish with uh, turning back to 1 Kings chapter 18. It's that moment that Elijah, you know, he's run, run, run. And he actually finds himself at the mountain of God, Mount Horeb or Mount Sinai. And he says, I'm done. Just kill me now. <laughs> Maybe you've whispered those words before. God, kill me now. I don't want to go on. And uh, in verse 9, he says this, chapter, uh, sorry, chapter 19, verse 9. He says this, There he came to a cave and lodged in it. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel who have forsaken your covenant thrown down your altars and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I, only am left. And they seek my life to take it away. And he said, go out and stand on the mount before the Lord. 
And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke it in pieces and the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, uh, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. A a still, small voice. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak. And behold, and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, there there came a voice to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? Some of us want that kind of fiery prayer and rocks splitting mountains falling down i mean that that would be pretty pretty awesome i i i i know that i i i I can't manufacture that but here's what i know we can all do if if we really really put in the effort and and it's going to take some effort to sit down and quiet ourselves to hear god saying what are you doing here and Perhaps in our busyness and chaos and all the things that are happening, we say, oh, I don't, I don't have enough time. I have all these things to do. I have lists, to, I have you know, bills to pay. And in the wreck, God is asking us to quiet ourselves enough to hear him speak. Quiet ourselves enough to hear him say, where are you? And, and, then, and then we respond and he's... He, and in this tender way, he, he hears out Elijah twice. And then he responds. And it's, it is from here that actually he sends him back out. And he helps him to see that actually you are not alone. You think, oh, you think you're the only one. I, I've reserved so many. How many is that? I forgot the number. There are so many numbers. 7,000. 7,000 have not bowed their knee to Baal. You're not alone. And he sends them. Then he calls Elisha, his, his uh, protege, who will, sometimes we need that, those, those, those moments where we, we sit down. We really, like, li- like, literally, like, turn your phone off. Don't just turn on the notification. Turn it off and wait. And it's going to take more than, like, 30 seconds, probably, for your heart to even slow down enough to hear him. But guys, this is, this is your homework. And if you're in a community group, that's going to be like question number three or something. <laughs> How was this, this like quieting of your soul before God? Because some of us are, you know, we're throwing prayers out there, but we haven't even like considered spending the time to stop and slow and to listen to what he has to say. And here, here's the, the amazing thing. In the New Testament, we are called to prophesy. We are this this gift of prophesying. It's a gift given to the church, and some of us have that muscle really strong. Other of us have less so. But as we've seen throughout the Book of Kings, we need each other to speak into each other's lives. Sometimes we just don't hear it because we're so hard, and we need to be. We need, but we can't begin to do that if we're not listening. We can't even begin to do that if we're not listening. So that when you see your friend 
in the rubble and the destruction of their sin and their decisions or the circumstances, you can sit beside them and say, God is faithful. Trust me. I know it. I know you know it, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to trust with you and I'm going to hold you up in prayer. That's, that's what happens in the community groups. That's what happens at, at watch parties. This is what happens when we, we can be together. And, and as, I, as I said, this book leaves us in a little bit of like tension and angst and, and just the tiniest little bit of hope. Uh, but God is faithful. God is faithful. Let me pray as we finish. Father, we, um, we are overwhelmed by the uh, scope and the depth of a book like King's which in so many ways is such a hinge point, Lord. They, they, the people, they finally reached the promised land. They're, they're, they're doing what they're supposed to do, and, and, and you, you're doing what you're doing, and yet it becomes this massive downfall, this, this, this failure. And the prophetic books that will build upon this, and then, and then these, this a long, many years of silence, before we see John the Baptist and Jesus arrive on the scene. And so God, for, for, for those of us who feel like the days uh, at the end of Kings, where there is still just, there's chaos, there's confusion in our lives. Father, I ask that you would come with your voice, with your whisper, and that you would open our ears to hear you. Lord, would you help us to quiet before you, to trust you in you? And Lord, would you speak? You said for, to Elijah, there are actually 7,000. There's hope for you. And so God, thank you that we, we can peek beyond Elijah because we know the king to come. And so Father, would you uh, use us to to speak to each other? Uh, would you use us as a church uh, to bless our neighbors and our neighborhood uh, for uh, friendships, for, um, for uh, co-workers, for family members who perhaps we have not dared to speak to? Lord, give us courage and, and humble us that we may know that your faithfulness is not just when everything's rainbow and sunshines, but Lord, in the dirt, for the poor, for the brokenhearted, for those who are captive, Lord, you are for them. Thank you for this reminder. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, guys, that is that I guarantee you that's going to be a question for our community group members. So uh, if you are not part of a community group, I think most are. Uh, many, or if not most, are uh, in person throughout the weekdays. So please do that. Have a great rest of your Sunday. Thanks for joining us. All right. Thank you.